Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. This morning, we're going to be back in John chapter 6, and we're going to be in verse 22, and we'll see how far we get this morning. 22 to 40 is really one section of Scripture. I mean, the whole through the end of the chapter is really one big section of Scripture, but it breaks down to separate pieces within that, and uh, verses 22 to about 40 talks about the folks and their seeking of Jesus. If you remember last week, we talked about Jesus being uh, walking on the water, that he came out there and scared his disciples half to death. They didn't know what to think, but as they, they saw who it was, they spoke to him and he got in the boat with him. And I guess the, the lesson was that we all need Jesus in our boat with us. As long as He's in our boat, as long as He's with us, if God be for us, who can be against us? We might go through the storms of life, but it's going to be okay if Jesus is with us. And so as we look at this next section, we're going to realize that, that Jesus did all of this as a test. Remember, we've been talking about that in John chapter 6, verse 1 through 15. He fed somewhere 5,000 men plus probably women and children is based on Mark and Luke's account that uh, it's probably somewhere maybe 15, 20,000 people. We don't know exactly how many, but could have been as many as 15 or 20 or even more people. Could have been 10, could have been 20, could have been a little bit more. But all we know is there was a lot of people and Jesus fed them with five loaves and two fish. And after he gets through, they want to make him king. And he doesn't want to be king because that isn't why he came. He came to die on a cross. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One day he's coming back as the king of kings and the lord of lords. But this time he came to die on the cross that we might have eternal life. And then the next thing we see is he sends the disciples away because they're wanting to make him king. He can get away from the crowd, but they can't, and it's probably pretty dangerous for the disciples, especially if the Roman authorities find out and they're trying to make him king and and start messing with them. And so he sends them out for the test on the water to see if they've learned a lesson, that if he can make all those people feed all those people, with two two fish and five loaves and two little tiny fish and five loaves, surely he can be with them out there on the storm and get them through the storms of life. And they kind of failed that test too and because they really didn't understand what Jesus was doing and who Jesus was yet. And so as we get to verse 22 today, we're going to see that the same multitudes looking for Jesus and they find him and then we're going to talk about 
what many have called the bread of life discourse. His talk about him being the bread of life. It says on the following day, verse 22, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the, that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of God, Son of Man, excuse me, will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do? that we may work the works of God. And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. And He says, Therefore they said to Him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the man in the desert, as is written, He gave them bread from heaven. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives His life for the world. Then they said to Him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said said to you, that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That all of, that of all he has given to me I should lose nothing. But should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. I want to stop right there. I'm probably not going to get through all of that, but I at least wanted to give you the context of what's going on. It says the following day, the following day. Remember the previous day, Jesus has fed the people. He's clothed them. He's healed them. He's fed fed the five or the ten or the fifteen or twenty thousand people. Took off into the mountain. He put the disciples in the boat. And the, the people have been fed, they've been satisfied, they go away. Next day, they're hungry again, they come looking for Jesus. Because they wanted to make Him king because He could feed them. And He says, they saw no other boat was there, verse 22, except the one that His disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, but His disciples had gone away alone. So, They're looking for Jesus. They can't find Jesus. Verse 24 says, When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, our disciples, they also got in the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, Rabbi, 
when did you come here? They don't understand. There's not any other boats. There's no other way for him to get there. And they're kind of perplexed because they're trying to figure out, how in the world did you get here? You know, there was no other way for you to get here. And we didn't see you walk by us. And we know there wasn't any boats. So how did you get here? Jesus never answers them. He never answers that question. Notice a lot of times, have you ever noticed how many questions people ask? And Jesus never answers their question. He always answers them with something else other than what they ask. And then listen to what Jesus says in verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, or your Bible might say truly, truly, or verily, verily. Basically what Jesus says when He says that, remember is, listen up folks, this is very important. I want you to get this. That's what He's saying. He says, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He, he gets right in these people's faces and said, look, the whole reason you're following me is, is not because of the signs. Remember, we talked about him doing the signs, but the signs were there to do what? Point them to him, right? We said if we dropped you off down the street and it says, and the sign says hospital and you need treatment and we drop you off at the sign, that's not going to do you any good, is it? You're going to be in trouble. You need to be dropped off at the hospital, not the sign. And so the signs were performed to remember this whole book's written. These signs have been written about that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So the sign is to point you to the reality. When you see the hospital sign, you don't stop at the hospital sign. You, you keep following the signs until you get to the reality, the hospital. And there you can get treatment. When Jesus performs the miracles, when He heals the blind, when He reads the lady's mind that the uh, woman at a well knows all about her, when He raises the people from dead, when He does all these things... He's trying to show the folks that He's God from heaven. As we sing about in verse in, in song number 72, to God be the glory. Great things He has done, right? So loved He the world that He gave us His Son. That He yielded His life as an atonement for sin. That you know all that believe may come in, right? The whole reason He comes is that people might see and believe that He's God and trust in Him and go to heaven. That's the whole reason He came. He didn't come just to feed and to clothe. Because guess what? Every time He feeds somebody, every time He heals somebody, every time He does something for somebody, what happens? They need to be fed again. They get sick again. Eventually they die again. Eventually they get lose whatever abilities they have if they get older, right? And, and you well understand that. And, and he says that y'all folks are just looking for me because y'all like that I can feed you. You like that I can clothe you. You like that I can heal you. You like those signs and those are the only reasons you're following me. You're not following me because of who I really truly am. And then he tells them in verse 27, this is key. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set a seal on Him. 
two very important things there. First, he says, don't labor for the food which perishes. What, what is the food that perishes? He, he, he's talking about, he's not saying don't go work and don't live your life and don't work or do whatever you have to do to feed your family and all that. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is you're expending all this time and all this energy to get something that, that's not going to last. He says you're seeking this temporary food to, and you're chasing me all over the place to get healed, to do all these things and you're chasing me everywhere and I can heal you, I can feed you, I can do all these things, but they're just temporary. He says the reality is if you trust me, then you'd be laboring for the food that lasts for eternal life. Remember back in chapter 4 when Jesus told the, lady, uh, told the disciples in verse 32, when they tell him, or verse 31, they said, In the meantime, his disciples urged him to eat, saying, Rabbi, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. And then the disciples said, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And then Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So he's saying, if you want to expend your time and your energy, do something that's going to last for eternity. We can do a lot of things in this life, and there's a lot of good stuff we can do. But the most important thing we can do is trust Christ and then our live our lives for God in such a way that it's pleasing to Him. And when people look at us and they see our lives and they know that there's something different about us and when we can talk to them because the difference in the way we live and they can, they can see that God has changed us, has made us different. That's the food that lasts forever because Jesus said that whatever you've done for me here on earth, you'll be rewarded for in heaven, right? Y'all remember the parable of the talents? And it speaks of one man having one talent, one man having two, and one man having five. And the guy that has two, he gets the same reward as the guy that has five. It speaks of talent, speaks of using our time, our abilities, and everything that God has given us in a manner that's pleasing to Him. Because we're going to be held accountable. And that one servant, I believe he was an unsaved man, he called God a, a man that sowed where he didn't reap and all this other stuff. But basically what he was saying that he wasn't a good God. And the other people, he told them, he said, enter into the joy of the Lord. I will make you ruler over ten cities. Jesus said, if you give up houses or land or family or whatever you give up, I will restore a hundredfold in the kingdom. So whatever you give up for me in this earth, to serve me, to tell others about me. If you give up your reputation because people won't hang out with you because they think you're one of those Jesus freaks, you're a Bible thumper, and they don't like you because you talk about Jesus, then you know, you don't have a ton of friends, and, and I'll give you restore a hundredfold in the kingdom, right? Whatever you've given up for me, I will restore to you a hundredfold. And and so he says, Don't labor for this temporary stuff that doesn't satisfy I want to give you eternal life that satisfies remember Jesus told the lady said I'll give you living water and you'll never thirst again and he's wanting to give us eternal life 
And they're looking for just the cosmic genie. What can you do for me right this second, God? What can you fix? What can you heal? Can you feed me? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do the other thing? Yeah, I can do all that. But what I really want to do is I want want you to come to be with me in heaven one day. And I want to give you eternal life. I want to give you joy, peace, abundant life right here, right now. Get a taste of what heaven is and one day you'll get it all. It'll all belong to you because you'll rule and reign with me forever. Uh, he says, "He says, which the Son of Man will give you. The Son of Man is going to give you that. Because as we've read a while back, that Jesus said He's the one that gives life. As the Father gives life, so I give life. Jesus has the right to give life because He's God. And then He says, Lastly, in the last part of verse 27, because God the Father has set His seal on Him. That word seal, remember in the old days, anybody got a signet ring? I used to have one. I lost one a long time ago and the guy stole it actually. Remember those signet rings? They got your initials on them. Well, that was what they used to use in the old days when, when they signed something. What they would do is a lot of times they would seal a document. They would seal something up and they would either put wax or they would put ink on that ring or whatever it was and they would stamp it. And a lot of times a document was sealed with wax and that signet was put into it and, and if that signet was broken, that seal was broken and you couldn't tell whose seal it was, you knew that document had been tampered with. So the seal, I wanted to tell you the seal first of all means authenticity. It means it's the real thing. It's a legal, certified, whatever it is, and it hasn't been tampered with. It means authenticity. It's the real deal. It also means ownership. The person that sealed it has the authority and the right to do that. It also means also means authority. It means that, that the person that sealed it has the authority to do that. It also means security. It means it hasn't been tampered with. Security, ownership, authority, and authenticity. That's what the seal means. In other words, what God is saying, or Jesus is saying here, which Jesus is God, He is saying that the Father has certified that the Son is the real deal. He's God. Because he's, He has the authority He's given him the authority to be his representative. It means security. That whatever Jesus says, Jesus could back up because the Father backs up. It, it, it means that, that he's the representative. And anything that the Father wants him to do, he can do because he has been sent by the Father. You remember when Joseph was over in Egypt and he finally got pulled out of that prison? What happened? They made him second command of all Egypt and they gave him a signet. There was another guy who had a bad relationship with a lady named uh, Tamar and she asked for his staff and his signet. And then later on when he accused her of being, being a prostitute, she said, well, whose seal and staff is this? This is a sign of who was with me. And then he backed off. That's what it means that Jesus is the real deal. 
He has all of God's authority. He has all of His authenticity. Everything that the Father has sent Him to do, He can do because He is God. And then they said to Him, they don't understand. They, he, he tells them not to work for, for temporary food, but for that which lasts forever. And look what He says in verse 28. Then they said to Him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? In other words, what shall we do to earn all this, deserve all this, to pay for this? Remember we've talked about this so many times that people think that they can do something to get into heaven. The Bible says that salvation is the gift of God. It is not of works lest anyone should boast. There's nothing you or I can ever do to deserve it, to pay for it, to earn it. But Jesus, right before He died on that cross, He said, it is finished. I have paid your sin debt. And He says, He who believes on Me shall not perish, but have eternal life. What does He mean, believe on Me? Believe that He did everything that was necessary to get into heaven, right? And if you believe that and trust in Him for that, then you go to heaven. If you don't believe in Him and don't trust in that, you're headed to the wrong place. That's what we read in John 3.18. He who believes is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the Son of God. And so it's very simple. Salvation, you can either have it free or you can't have it at all. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't pay for it. But they still don't understand. They're thinking, well, what do we got to do to get this gift that you're talking about? And he says in verse 29, Jesus said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom you sent. Just that simple. Just believe that I am who I said I am and that I'm God in human flesh. Trust in me. Believe in me. And you can have eternal life. But if you don't, you're in trouble. This is crazy. But he says, Therefore, they said to him, What sign... Will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven. So now they say, well, we don't have to work, but what sign are you going to perform? What are you going to do to show us that you're really truly who you said you are? He says, our fathers ate the manna. As is written, and he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And he's talking about Moses, right? And and they're saying, well, hey, prove it. Show us you're greater than Moses. Moses fed all these people. Moses fed hundreds of thousands of people, probably millions of people in the desert with the manna. And prove it. Are you better than Moses? If you can outdo Moses, we might believe you. And then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, there it is again, Truly, truly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread of heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In other words, Jesus says, Look, Moses didn't give you that bread. It says in in, uh, Exodus 16, Verse 4, let me see if I can get there real quick. Exodus 16, verse 4, he says, And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, 
And the people should go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. I will give them bread. Moses didn't give them bread. God gave them bread. Moses was just the vehicle, just the person that was used to, to be God's mouthpiece, his representative. He, he, he was a worker for God. He was the one who was working eternal works, right? He was working for the food that endures for eternal life. And says, my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He says that Old Testament bread, that manna, manna means what is it? That Old Testament bread that every day they could only eat enough for one day and then they had to throw, they, they couldn't gather but enough for one day and when they ate it, he said the next day it'd have worms in it, right? And on, on the Sabbath they could gather enough, right before the Sabbath they could gather enough for two days and it wouldn't spoil, it wouldn't rot. But every day they had to eat more, right? They'd eat today and they had to eat tomorrow just like we do now, right? We eat, we get hungry, we eat, we get hungry. We drink, we get thirsty again, we drink, we get thirsty again. We, we sleep, we get, you know, refreshed, we go back to sleep again. Whatever we do, it's just temporary. And he says, I am the true bread. That bread that you were fed with in the wilderness was just a picture, just a type of me who will come and satisfy you and give you a bread the eternal life, that, that's eternal life, and that you'll never thirst again. He's talking about that you won't have that empty feeling, that dissatisfaction, but you'll trust in God. And he says, for it is the bread of God is he that comes from heaven and gives life to the world. Not just to the Jews, but to the whole world. See, the Jews thought they were it. They still think they're it. And they, God does still love them. But they've been put aside for right now because they will not trust Christ. They're looking for another person to come. He's already came. He's already died on the cross. But many, many, many of them are still looking for Him to come. Because they thought the Jesus that, they, that came was going to be like what they tried to do to Jesus. Make Him a king. They didn't understand their Bible that said He had to die first. And be buried and resurrect and go to heaven. And then He'd come back one day as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they don't get it. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. They're thinking, just like the woman at the well, give me this living water so that I won't have to come here and drink and thirst again. Oh, give us this bread so we won't have to eat again. We'll just always be full. And we're going to stop right here. And Jesus said to them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And that's the way it is, folks. Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the bread of life. I spent an hour and 15, 20 minutes or an hour Thursday night with some folks talking about whether Jesus was really God, talking about the Trinity. Jesus is God. The Bible says it. And we should believe it. It's as simple as that. And a lot of people today don't believe that Jesus was God. They believe He was just a man or a good man or a prophet. Or they believe that, yeah, Jesus did some things when He was here on earth, but I got to do something else to help get into heaven. But the Bible says it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
So don't make the mistake of thinking that there's something you or I can do to get into heaven. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. And he washes me white as snow. And so that's the bottom line. He is the bread of life. He is the one who gives eternal life. He is the one who can save us and forgive us and satisfy the deepest longings of our heart and fulfill our wants. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 says, And you are complete in Him. You're complete in Christ. In other words, without Christ, you're not complete. It was Pascal. Remember Pascal, the great mathematician? People don't talk about him about this, but he said every man, he meant every man and every woman has a God-shaped vacuum. And the only thing that will fill that hole in our life is Jesus. And when Jesus fits in that slot, we can be forgiven and we can be saved. But many, many people are seeking all kinds of things to make them happy in this life. Friends and money and relationships and all kinds of things thinking that's going to satisfy them. But it's only Jesus that satisfies. And so if you have not, I hope and pray every one of y'all have trusted, probably in this group you have. But if you have not today, cry out to Him. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. And then take him at his word because he will forgive you. He will save you. And let's sing number 77. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. But he washes me. White as snow. Number 77. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.